Another Way to Play, episode 134. But here's what I realized is like initial comfort turns into troubles down the road. In most cases, like if you're comfortable right now, if you're just comfortable in your job or in your schooling or whatever you're doing in your thought process, like that usually what I've seen is it turns out to be just more hard times down the road. This is Josh Rossi, viral photographer. And if you want to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Strazina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and if you're anything like today's guest, then you may have bought a bus, wrapped it in your logo, and parked it in front of your dream employer's office in order to try and get them to notice you. Uh, Today's guest is none other than Josh Rossi who calls himself a viral photographer. Uh, Josh has worked for some pretty major brands and influencers uh, like Adobe and Nickelodeon, as well as Damon John, to just name a few, Um, and also has some pretty cool projects um, where he basically takes kids who have uh, disease or uh, cancer or what have you and turns them into DC Comics superheroes. Uh, We get into that as well as his upbringing, his view of success, and uh, just basically the advice he gives for people who are looking to succeed in their own lives. Uh, So this is one that I think you're going to find very interesting because he's bringing together business and art uh, in this conversation. If you get some value out of this, head over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you're on, leave it a rating and review because it helps me really grow the show and gain some critical feedback on how to keep providing you as an audience member some more value. Uh, So thank you in advance for that. And I really appreciate those of you who've taken a few minutes to do that already. It means an awful lot to me. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into it with Josh Rossi. Josh, man, thanks for being on the show today. Real excited to have you on. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Well, uh, let's get into it, man. You've got a lot to talk about with your career and kind of what you've been into. You've got a lot of cool projects that you've got out there on the internet right now. Why don't you just give us a quick rundown of what you're working on today and what's got your attention right now? Yeah, so I've I've been really interested in education in general, like my whole life. And so right now, I've actually built out this company called mentor camp and it's uh, a place for like teens and stay-at-home moms to learn real world education that can get them like jobs can make them money either be you know as like a freelancer working on fiverr doing copywriting or you know even being an author selling your own books like doing digital marketing being a photographer so i'm really interested in that in learning real world skills just because going through like school initially was just such a waste of my time. Like going through high school, 
I just felt like the only thing he did for me was help me memorize things. Maybe if that, you know, or just help me cram things last minute. But so, so I've, I've had this thing where I've been so frustrated with the schooling system, like people going into debt, you know, I teach photography as well. And people all the time are like, Hey, should I go into photography school? I'm like, heck no, that's the worst thing you could do to waste four years of your life. Like doing that. And that's obviously not, not for everybody. Cause like my cousin is, you know, that there's some really cool things you can do through school. And I work with some people, I have some good friends that are like stem cell doctors, which you couldn't do just, you know, like being, being creative. But so that's what got me into this mentor camp idea is just to mentor kids, you know, in the right direction when they're younger, so they can have success when, you know, like soon or, you know, go in the right direction when they're older. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I mean, to some degree, it's like a, a crash course in, I don't know about entrepreneurship per se, but it's like you're getting people to to realize that there are other ways to pursue their passions and pursue um, a career in things that they're interested in. Well, totally. I mean, like, for example, we have, I was scrolling through TikTok one day and I found this girl that is talking all about like how she makes money on Fiverr and how she's doing copywriting and doing these simple blog posts. And I was so interested. Then I found out she was making like 400,000 a year on Fiverr. I was like, what the heck? Like, I have to fly you out here to film you and like, you know, figure this out. Like, let's do a course. Let's do something. That's how kind of it all started. And I was so interested. So I got her out here. We filmed. It just blew my mind that like she was making that type of money. And, and so that that's, yeah, that's where like the idea sparked. And it just, it really gives people like, these are all mini courses, which is the cool thing. It's not like a full college, you know, thing to get a degree because here's the funny thing. Like, if you look at it, I don't know if you went to college, I did some like community college, but like you, you're like going into architecture, let's say. And at the very end of the degree, after three years, you finally get like a few architecture classes, you know, it's like, what? And then it's kind of outdated and obviously you have to go to school for architecture, but just to give you an example, you know, like I feel like everybody's gone through that. And so that it, it's just this whole thing of like me being frustrated with that system. It's like, no, there has to be a better way. What's interesting you say that, um, cause I, I did go to college. I went to business school at the university of Washington and it, at the time it had this, this, it wasn't a new program, but a very sort of cutting edge program is entrepreneurship program. And we literally got into teams and, and created a product and pitched a, a board of investors. And then second semester you executed, you ran the business plan. You tried to make actual money and sell an actual product or service. And I remember uh, one of the class periods, cause we effectively use those as like board meetings, if you will. Uh, we were talking about Facebook and trying to advertise on Facebook (laughs) and the professor at the very end said, like, how many sales did you make from Facebook or your Facebook efforts? And we're like, well, none. And he's like, well, that's exactly why Facebook is a waste of time. (laughs) And uh, this was in 2013. And, you know, it's like, I took that lesson and I was like, okay, well, I got to go pound the pavement and I get the point you're making, but in retrospect, I'm like, shoot, like if they would have just been teaching us, you know, Facebook marketing and, you know, funnels and, you know, SEO, it's like, how much farther along would you'd, I be? You'd like, be my a goodness. freaking millionaire. Like imagine, imagine if you learned from somebody. So I started doing running ads on Facebook in like late 2014 or even, yeah, I think that's what it was, 2013, 2014. And I was killing it. Like 
like eight to 10 X returns on ad spend, you know? So, I mean, you get some professors that are like, yeah, it's a waste of time. And then you get people that are actually doing it, that are making money. Imagine if you learned from somebody that was like making money, they'd be like, go all in, spend all your money, get investment. You know, it doesn't even matter what the product is. Just spend all your money on Facebook. You'd be in, you know, worth $50 million right now. So, you know, and I mean, the thing that you did going through school and having that experience, I think that's cool. You know, so there's some type of schooling. I did do like a trade school for art, which sort of gets me into how I got into photography. But yeah, it's not like all schooling, but. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for that, for the formal education. You said, you know, architecture, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer. Like there's a, there's a level of schooling that is required there, but there is also no replacement for practical application. And frankly, in how, with how fast our, our, the digital age is changing things with just the way we meet and, you know, interact with one another. I mean, COVID aside, um, how we're doing podcasts and YouTube videos and all that stuff, like learning what you learned, you know, six months ago is probably irrelevant almost. And you got to continue to move fast. And that's what I love about sort of the course and the, the effort that you're putting into to what you're doing now. Yeah, totally. I mean, agree a hundred percent. It's stuff is moving so quick that it's like, it's almost exhausting, but, but it's like, you got to keep up, you know, if you're in business, it's like, you got to keep up or else you die. You know, I mean, like not maybe, maybe physically, I don't know, but like, you know, in your business. And how do you, you know, you, you are obviously, you have a, a killer client list of just people like at brands like Adobe and Nickelodeon to be like Damon John, like people, brands that people recognize, like you've been working with some really high end people. Like, how do you kind of stay at the front edge of the, you know, the cutting edge, if you will, like mentally speaking, like how do you not get just totally overwhelmed and exhausted and try and pack it in and, uh, you know, just say, I I know what I know and I'm just going to keep doing that. Well, I mean, it, it really just comes down to like, what do you want in life? Like, do you want more? Are you fine with making six figures or do you want to make seven figures and never have to work again? You know? So some people are totally fine with like just being comfortable and, and working for somebody or making a certain amount of money. But here's what I realized is like initial comfort turns into troubles down the road. In most cases, like if you're comfortable right now with your, with your job, like if you haven't made it, you know, and you're like, just, I, I don't need money anymore. Like if you're just comfortable in your job or in your schooling or whatever you're doing in your thought process, like that usually what I've seen is it turns out to be just more hard times down the road. Because for example, like I've talked to certain friends that have no ambition, which is one thing that my friends have to have. I'm just kidding. That sounds terrible. But you know, I really, I really relate to people that have ambition because, because I'm like, look, you, you got to help yourself. Like you're, you're making 1200 bucks a month right now. Like that's not enough for retirement. That's not enough for like, what if you get sick? What if like the car breaks down? You know, you're going to be fine. Maybe like if you keep your job for 20, 30 years, like maybe you might have some sort of tiny retirement, but I've had friends that they, their retirement gets wiped clean after like 30 years, you know? And so there's no security in that, even though you're comfortable right now, you don't want to push yourself, you know? And I also think entrepreneurship is one of the best things for personal growth, just in every aspect, not, not just money, you know, but 
in, in every single thing, like, like controlling your emotions, controlling your mindset, um, helping other people. I mean, there's so much that entrepreneurship does. So just jumping into the dark and trying to do things, I think is always a good thing. It's never a bad thing unless you're making stupid decisions and like gambling your money, you know? Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you, I'm sure as a, a more creative person, you have um, a variety of friends, some of whom who are maybe living in the starving artist cliche and some of whom work for, you know, maybe a bigger company as a creative person and, and want that security and some who are freelancing and probably everyone in between. And um, like that sort of those different mentalities, like how do you navigate that in your own head as far as like the security versus the freelancing? Like how, how has that played out in your, in your world and your story? Man, it's so, it's so difficult because like starving artist is, is a real thing. <laughs> and it's like artists don't really like to market. They don't know how to market. Like I grew up with my dad that was, you know, owned his own business, uh, was Italian. I was born in Italy and we like had just had this drive to, there was nothing really established over there for him. So, you know, he taught us like how to do business and that, but then I also grew up as an artist because my mom, uh, she was an artist. Her, her mom was an artist. So I kind of had the best of both worlds and I, I still had to learn how to market and that, but I think I just had the dream, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's so difficult to get out of that stage of starving artists because artists love to do art. Like I, I love to do art, you know, I mean, like I went on a sprint of just doing business for a, a while, just marketing Facebook ads. I'm like, cool. It brings in the money, but I'm not like so hyped up on, you know, the certain the certain marketing techniques. Like I just want to do art, you know? And it's so, I don't know. It is, it is hard, but you just have to realize like freak, if you don't know business and you're going to starve, you know, or you got to find some way to make money and then do your art on the side. But there are artists, you know, something I'm really interested in actually is, is the, the art market, the fine art market. Um, because that stuff sells for millions of dollars and there's, there's psychology behind it. There's, it's a deeper thing that, that has to do with like connections that you have, social proof, taxes, even, you know, like people are like, how can that art sell for like $10 million? Because somebody put a value on it. And then another big dude used it as a tax write-off and, and dumped another 10 million into it. And then the next guy wanted a hundred million dollar write-off. So he bought it for a hundred million. So all of a sudden now it's worth a hundred million dollars in the art market. Nobody knows why freaking banana is worth that much money. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so I, I'm really curious about, you know, that and a few other things. That's crazy, man. Well, I, we could probably dig in on that and, and maybe we should. Um, but backing before we get there, I just back up. You kind of alluded to it real quick in your story, but you said you were born in Italy. Like, why don't you just walk us through kind of your progression? Because I, I, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you actually landed into the position you're in with, you know, the education you're doing and the clients that you've worked with and all of that stuff. So, so give us a quick rundown on how your story really began. So I was born in Florence, and my dad. So I grew up him telling me this story of two friends of his um, that did art and one of them did really amazing art, like mind blowing stuff. The other one did so, so art. He drew faces on plates. He was constantly out in the market selling them. 
And my dad said 10 years after he went back to go see both of his friends and one of them was rich. One of them was poor. The one that was rich was the guy that was marketing himself. You know, it didn't matter how awesome his work was. So that stuck with me, you know, so art and business was always in my head. And then fast forward, you know, I was born in Italy. We moved to the States when I was like six or seven. And then, you know, I just went through school, got into videography. That was like, that seemed to be a fun, creative thing. I went to advertising school and that was like killer. I absolutely loved advertising. That's where I got into photography. So I, I went into ad school kind of hating photography and, and really despising photographers, which is a weird thing. I just said, man, they have it easy. They just take one shot and like, bam, it's there. No creativity. Like this is so lame. But then I got introduced to ad photography and that totally blew my mind. And that was where you could mix different, you take photos and then you mix different pieces together. So it was just another form of art. And I absolutely loved that. So I got into that. I actually left school early and I really wanted to get into commercial photography, but I was like, how in the world do you do that? Like nobody's, I don't even know a commercial photographer. I didn't even know it existed before this, you know, before going to school. So I would search and search and search, you know, how to, how do you get clients? So I actually had to get a job in construction, cleaning crap off the floor, at like four in the morning. Like I'd get these calls cleaning poop, you know, and, and it was terrible. I did that for a year. And it's like, what the heck? Like, what am I doing? You know, I got to get out of this. <laughs> and, you know, like I cannot do this for the rest of my life. So a friend of mine, I started doing some photos. I did a photo for the company and just for free and just was getting my name out there. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do free work for people. Like I'll just start offering my stuff for free. And then I earned up enough money to quit my job, got into wedding photography, um, Long story short, the way that I started getting clients and that I started gaining traction was, first of all, I tried absolutely everything. And when I tell this to people, they're like, wow, like you, you were like really bold in, in your marketing. And I'll tell you a few things that I did, which are funny, but they're like, man, you're really bold. Like, I don't know if I could be that bold. I'm like, you got to be bold to, to make stuff happen. You know, if you don't know how to do it, if somebody hasn't taught you, like you got to go knock doors on the street. I mean, freak, I, I sold... Bible videos door to door at one point in my life and like sold people in the malls. Anyway, so the, some of the things that I did, so I mentioned this because I tried everything. Like I went to the Apple store and I pulled up my website on every single computer. And I was hoping that some big creative, you know, I'm like, well, they shop at like Apple. So I'm sure somebody's going to come and see my work and want to contact me. You know, it wasn't a bad idea, but like, I left the store, came back 45 minutes later, all the computers were changed. So they had caught on, but I did it again. I went and did it again. I think I did two or three times, I, you know, same day. I like put on my stuff. I was like, no, I'm going to put my stuff on here. And that didn't work. Next thing was I bought a bus and put a wrap on it. And I would go park in front of ad agencies for days. It, right at, at like four to 6 PM. And even around lunchtime, I would park right in front of there. I tried to I'd get there early to try to get a good spot. And then I work out of my bus. And when my bus is too hot in the summer, I'd go sit outside with a portable desk and I'd be editing and I'd wait for people to come out and, and hopefully see my bus, you know, like a billboard. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I did that in Utah. I moved to LA, you know, shamelessly put it in front of some of the biggest agencies out there that didn't work. Didn't get one call, you know? So I, I tried like so many of these things. People were like, I would never do that. I'm like, well, 
be be okay with feeling awkward sometimes because like if you want it bad enough it, it'll happen if you don't want it bad enough you're just going to sit back be comfortable nothing's going to happen so that kind of got me to learn what worked and the thing that actually worked that i figured out i almost came across it by accident where i reached out this is sort of the early days of youtube um, I reached out to a big influencer and just offered a free shoot. I said, Hey, I would love to come. You're, you're, he was gaining traction. I was like, let's do a free shoot together. And he got back to me right away. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, what the heck? He doesn't know me. He got back to me in like 10 minutes. Like, cool. Okay. He must like my work or something. So I went on the, the shoot. I photographed him. He was dating this girl, Lindsay Sterling. Do you know who Lindsay Sterling is? Uh, I am not in on celebrity on, violinist. Um, yeah, I've I the name totally rings a bell, but I I'm not a pop yeah, culture so, so reference was, enough to me yes. to be honest. So she does like dubstep violin. She's huge now, but she was big on YouTube back then. He was dating her, so I go on set. I photograph him. I ask her to do a free photo shoot. So it started it started building this momentum where they would see my images after I finished them. They would post them on their page. The first post that this guy did, uh, I got 5,000 followers, which was crazy. I was like, that, what the heck? Like this is working, but it wasn't just the followers. I got called from Adobe, eventually got jobs from like Acura, Nickelodeon, and a bunch of others, Damon, John. And so I kept doing this. I was like, this is actually working, you know? And that's how I started getting in with some of these big clients with working with influencers. And, and then I started realizing that not every social media influencer is a real influencer. So I started reaching out to local people that had no following, but they were very influential in their community. And I did for, you know, some free shoots of them. They exposed me to bigger audiences, which made me, you know, multiple six figures from just working with one person. And so that's where sort of the business side comes in. But, you know, it was, it just came from like trying everything. Just everyone talks about like this idea of grit and hard work. And yeah, it's like really tough. Like business sucks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Backing up to that, you DM that, that uh, influencer on YouTube that first time. Can you, can you walk us through sort of the mindset that you went into that engagement with? Because I, I'm wondering if it was on the side of like, I'm just going to try and give my service away and, and provide this person some value. Or am I actually have a game plan of like, if this goes well, then it'll get picked up and someone else will see it. And like, how did you, how did you start that engagement? Well, eventually I had a plan after I started seeing it working, but initially here, here's the thing that I think leads to opportunity is when you are humble and you don't have this ego, you don't have this pride. A lot of people that have made money or they've done something cool in their life, they have this pride to where they don't accept things that might be below them. And so at that point I'd been torn down to where I was like, how in the world do I get work? Like, how do I get hired? Like, how the freak does this happen? And so I was open for anything and I reached out, you know, like if I were making money, I probably wouldn't have reached out to this guy, but I saw that he was big and, you know, getting some traction. My mindset was like, I just want to do something cool, you know, just that's it. Just, I want to do something cool. No other intention. Let's just do something cool. So I reached out to him and then every other shoot after that, it was kind of like, cool, I'm getting in with these people, but I didn't know that I was going to get work from it. Like, I just thought like, cool, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going from a small Sandy Utah kid to like all of a sudden on this international scale, like 
you know, getting connected with big artists and celebrities or whatever. And that's cool. And then after it became more of like a business type thing where I started realizing how it was done, I could replicate it. Then I started teaching other people how to do it and, you know, making that a business, getting into education and then, you know, other stuff from there. And that it all started with that, that sort of first intention of like, let's, let's sort of do something as you put it, just something cool and, and see what comes of it. Once you started seeing that traction though, how did you then pour gas on the fire while not, you know, losing your authenticity or, or the, the, the stuff that was working in the first place? Well, I did lose fire. <laughs> oh, int- okay. So how, so tell us that. And then how'd you so, get it back? <laughs> and, and I love, I love this because people always talk like, you know, I, I made a big in business and, and that's it. You make a big once and you make a big forever. It's like the most false thing. Business is literally like going up a few steps and then just crashing down then doing a new business and then crashing and figuring stuff out. And then like kind of like getting up there and like scraping, you're like, dang, this is hard. Like I thought this would be easier, you know? And you're like going up this mud wall, like trying to scrape up. So I initially, I got this job from Adobe, which was a really huge job, the biggest job I'd ever done. And I was like, I have made it as a photographer. Like I don't, you know, in my mind, I thought like I've made it. This is my ego. You know, I made it. People are going to start coming to me because I'm the bomb. And and so I worked on this job for like three months and then waited and six months later, just waited and nothing. And I ran out of money. I was like, wait, what the heck? Like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> why am I out of money? Why is nobody contacting me? You know, I did this job and this and that. And so I just, I mean, it, it's just a, a really long process of learning how to correctly do business, the reality of things. This is one of my favorite things. Ray Dalio, billionaire, he talks about, how he became successful. And he keeps talking about this. He keeps saying this phrase, the reality of things. He says, you know, I tried something. I had these big visions. I tried something and I failed at it and I corrected it for the next time. But ultimately I started realizing the reality of things, how things actually were. You know, people have these big ideas like you're in real estate. You know, people have these big ideas like I'm going to go into real estate. I'm going to be a real estate millionaire, you know, and they go in and they get screwed. It's like, well, you didn't know the reality of things. Did you, did you actually know what the housing market was doing? Like, did you actually know, like, if if you could flip this house, if, you know, what the surrounding neighborhood looks like? Like, you had no idea. So anyway, just that idea of the reality of things. I think that is ultimately just business. It's it's grinding. It's figuring out the the reality of how stuff actually is not having these, you know, having like a a motivation to keep moving forward and getting what you want, but, you know, being realistic about things. And that's what failure will do is it'll teach you how things really are, you know, and then you adjust and you can make something happen. It's, it's interesting. I'm struck by this. And I wonder if this is something that like your, your parents instilled in you or something you just had or, or cultivated over time. But like, you did, you know, you put yourself out on this bus and then you like reached out to these influencers and you, you got these gigs and then it, the phone wasn't ringing and you tried and failed and tried and failed and succeeded, whatever. Like that could take a toll on your, your psyche pretty quickly. And I, was there a point at which you were like, forget this, I'm going to go get something stable. I'm going to just shoot weddings forever and just have that consistent income. Like, or, or did you have a bigger plan of like, no, if I just keep 
pushing forward uh, and and kind of take it on the chin every once in a while and learning it better, then I'll I'll get to where I'm going eventually. No, I mean, I mean, one of my biggest fears isn't not having stability. You know, people, for example, people are like, I'm not going to leave my job because it's, I'm scared of the instability of that. My biggest fear is having a stable job and not having the potential to grow. So along the way, it's, it's this thought for me, it's been this thought of like, what what do I, what do I really want? Like, I don't actually want to just go and live a stable, basic life. Like some people are totally fine with that you know, but I don't want that. And like, if I die and I've given that dream up, like I've completely failed. But if I die and I've, even if I haven't reached that goal, like I would feel fulfilled because I I kept trying and trying and trying. So I've, I've convinced myself and it is dang hard. I almost quit like so many times, but the thought that kept me was what if I don't do this right now? what if I don't keep moving forward right now? What will happen to me? And I, I look down the road and I see my path and it's not the path that I want. So I say, this is just what it is. It's just what it is. If you want this thing, this is how it's going to go. And I'm going to keep pushing until I get it, you know? And so there, there's constant failures along the way, but I just think it's like, I got to a point where you just, you, you like accept it, you know, you just accept getting punched in the face and right, cool. Like I'm not there yet. I guess I needed that. I'll learn, you know, not getting your expectations so high, but, but that's business. Like stop getting your expectations so high that you're going to do this in like three months. Like that's exciting. That's an exciting goal and an exciting thought and yeah, run with it. But like, you got to be realistic. You know, Gary V like talks a lot about patience and, you know, it takes time. And I think, I think when you're in business for a certain amount of time, you get punched enough, you, you like realize what he's talking about. You're like, yeah, like it does take time, dang it. You're not going to, some people might become millionaires overnight, but like for the rest of us, you you grow slowly in income. Then you realize new things and you make a little bit more next year. And then the next year after that, you drop, you know, 90% income and you lost all your money and then you got to do it over again. <laughs> One of the biggest debilitating things is when you have to start over again. And that's when I think people quit. It's not when there's like a little failure, but when everything has gone to crap and you have to completely start over again, then people say it's not worth it. But in reality, long scheme of things, that's, that's just part of the bigger plan. You know, that's what's going to get you to where you want to go. Have relative to that bigger plan, have, do you find that it's easier to, to figure out like what it is you don't want, like thinking in the future and looking at your path and saying, you know, I don't want to die with this plan or that plan and like using that as sort of a guardrail, if you will, or do you find it more important to like have a target that you're constantly pushing towards and course correcting in the direction of? Well, it sounds, it sounds almost like both just course correcting the whole time. I, you have this goal initially it's like this monetary goal and you know, it's, it's still kind of is because but initially it's like monetary goal. You don't really know why or what you're going to spend your money on. You're just like, I just want to be financially free. Cool. But then course correcting, you're like, I actually don't really care for like a big gigantic house or like, I don't actually care for like cars. Like some people do. You know, I totally respect that. Like, seriously, if you, if you love cars and that's your hobby, 
like just in, enjoy it, you know, <laughs> but, but if you're freaking rich, and you don't know how to spend your money and you're using your money to numb yourself just to get things, then that's stupid. Then you've lost your complete way. But still, you know, it's just a progression. It's like, I, I want one thing one day. And then two years later, I'm like, actually, I want it in this way. But the goal still kind of stays the same. It's like, you just want to be free. You know, it, it's come for me, it's come down to being free in every single way. So being free from slavery, we're not slaves, but we are slaves to the system, you know, to, to we're financial slaves, basically. Like we're stuck in this city where we have to spend money to buy things, to have things, you know, to live. So we're slaves in that way. But then are you a slave spiritually? You know, a lot of people are slaves in multiple things. So I'm, I'm constantly working on like, I don't want to be a slave in any single way. I don't want to have debt. I don't want to be a slave to, you know, money, a slave, physical slave, not a physical slave. I don't want to be a slave mentally, you know, or spiritually. So that, that's been like sort of the, the ultimate goal. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for, for breaking that down. Um, you know, before we get to the end of the, um, the show, for those of you listening, I can see what's behind you there. You've got some pretty cool, uh, Jedi art. I just wanted to talk to you about, uh, real quick, the, the, the stuff you're doing with the kids, um, you know, the justice league kids and all the, all that whole line of, of your photography and your art. Um, can you break that down for us real quick and describe what that is for those people who are just listening and, and don't see your stuff in front of us? Yeah. So basically, specifically with the Justice League kids. Or or just, I mean, yes, that and and some of the other sort of the stuff that you've done with the terminally ill and and all of that. Cool. I mean, I I love the, that's the first thing I came across when I learned about you. Um, So I wanted to to make sure we touched on that today. For sure. So we just, so I took my commercial, you know, I have to work with these big clients commercially. I just thought how fun it'd be to do some stuff with my daughter, you know? So I turned her into Wonder Woman. I did these movie posters <clears throat> for Wonder Woman and I released them and they went totally viral. Like, like that's one of those moments when it's like, okay, this did happen kind of overnight, but not really. Cause you know, I had to learn how to do it and everything, but you know, it, it, it went super viral. I hit 60 million views. It was just good timing. And somebody reached out to me from that series and said, Hey, my daughter has cancer and she's the real Wonder Woman. And so that stuck with me, this idea of, this real superhero. And I almost felt guilty because I was like, I'm doing this. My daughter's totally healthy right now and fine. And there's these kids that are real superheroes that are going through these really difficult gut wrenching moments, like emotionally, physically, like, dang, they're real superheroes. So I thought, why don't I do my next series and call it like the, the real justice league, you know, cause the justice league movie was coming out and I was like, okay, this could be cool. You know, there's like six characters in the movie six superheroes. I said, why don't I find six kids that have cancer or illness or whatever and sort of connect them and do this photo shoot. And so initially there was so much red tape with hospitals. Nobody would let us talk with any kids. They wouldn't release any information. So I quit the, I quit it. Cause I was like, I just don't have time for this. It's a good project, but like freak, I, how am I ever going to do this? So in three months come uh, um, go past and I, I get the desire again. Me and my wife, are like, we got to do this. So we went on Facebook, we found a bunch of friends of friends, kids, and we finally got to these six kids that we thought would be perfect. And we chose the kids based on their similarities to the actual characters like Superman. uh, There was a kid, Tegan, he had half of a heart, you know, and Superman has this problem with kryptonite. And so we thought like, that'd be cool to pair them. 
then we found uh, Caden double amputee, you know, to be cyborg who had a similar story, you know, so they all had similarities. We did this shoot, me and my wife were like, you know, if it goes, if it does anything, that's great. But like, it's just a good project for the kids. Kids were so excited. One of the kids, Tegan Superman said it was one of the best days of his life, you know, after the photo shoot. Cause I mean, it really empowered him just the photo shoot, you know, like, um, and I did, I did a shoot after that of, for a make a wish foundation. They saw the project and they're like, Hey, can you do this for this, this other woman? And it's really sad story. Like her son had cerebral palsy, I think it was. Um, and he was going to die in like a week. And so I had to rush this order and she wanted to remember him as Superman. And so I'm basically had them send me a picture of the kid. I Photoshopped onto the body of Superman, sent it back. And I mean, it was super emotional, you know, when she got it, she was so grateful, but this project hit 250 million views. Um, and, and I was, I flew all over the world doing like, I did live TV in Italy because some doctor was like, Hey, we're opening up a new type of research based on your project. You know, we want to see what type of emotional effects uh, these projects have on cancer patients and, and, you know, got featured on people magazine, Huff Post, like, I mean, freaking everywhere. And obviously we didn't monetize off the, off of any of that, you know, but like when, when I was younger me, or newly married and even younger, I was always like, I want to change the world. I know a lot of people say that it's like, I want to do something that changes the world, you know? And as we were doing the project, me and my wife looked at each other. We're like, like, I think we are, like, I think we actually are affecting the world. I mean, th- close to 300 million people have seen that project now. There's been, you know, medical research opened up based on just this silly, I mean, it's not silly. It was a great project, but I mean, it was just, it was just photos and, and it changed people's lives. Like it, it was just so mind blowing. So now one of the projects I'm trying to do and raise money for is going around doing a U.S. tour and actually photographing other kids. Um, because after, I mean, I, I have a list of, uh, I think it's like 3000 emails of people that are like, Hey, my kid's sick. Like I really want to shoot. And I just couldn't take on any of them actually. Cause I was so busy. It's like, I, I just can't, I'm so sorry. You know, and I'd reach out to people like maybe six months later. And I was like, Hey, I have some time now. Would you want to do a shoot? And they're like, sorry, my kid died. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff, crazy stories that this is actually happening to these poor kids. And so we want to continue doing these series, um, you know, going around the country, you know, raising funds, like just, just being able to offer this to, to more kids. That's super cool, man. Um, before we get to the last section of the show, if anyone is compelled, like how can they reach out and support or, or help or whatever, how can they support that effort? I mean, we're going to be doing a Kickstarter here soon, but you can just reach out to email. I mean, you know, I'm not one to ask for donations. That's, that's not like me. If you're interested in the project, want to help somehow, you can just reach out um, uh, to my email. It's just josh at joshrosi.com or just go to joshrosi.co. That's my website. You can contact me there. But I mean, if you want to help, there's many ways to help. You don't have, you know, people don't have to donate money. Like there's been photographers actually that have done this for their local community. And I mean, it's been great. We probably have like 30, 40 photographers that have done projects like this for kids with like, like autistic kids, like kids with Down syndrome. And I mean, it's really cool. So if if you want to help, just reach out to me. 
Awesome. We'll link that up down in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in supporting in whatever way, uh, we'll make that easy for you down there. Josh, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, I could continue listening to your stories all day, but I want to respect the rest of your day and uh, and transition to the last section of the show called the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Cool. Let's do it. First question is, what book have you gifted most often? Oh, man. Well, there's two. The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing and then The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Killer books. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Oh my gosh. I would ask, oh my heck, that's that's a great question. I didn't even think about this before. You know, I, I've I've had some mentors that I've wanted to ask like certain questions, but I've gotten in contact with them and I've asked them questions. I think I'd want to get with like, oh, th- yes, this one person. Bill Gates, I'm super interested and that probably sounds generic because a lot of people want to contact him, but I'm really interested on how he's doing his philanthropic work. Like that, that's, you asked me earlier what one of my big goals is. And it's like, if you have the money that Bill Gates has, he can do any philanthropy he wants. And that's so interesting to me. So that, that's why I'd contact him. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Probably spirituality and religion you know people think that god's not real you know and i disagree <laughs> obviously <laughs> and it's okay you can think he's not real but i mean there's there's definitely bigger power that like guides all of us and there's you know bigger you know i mean the universe is so big like i think we have a soul i think there's there's greater things for us and i think like our path is guided if we let it it's guided by you know god or like a supreme being Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Um, waking up to screaming kids. It's not how I like to wake up. But, you know, kid learning how to diaper, put on a diaper, just pooping everywhere, peeing everywhere. That's how my mornings look. And then at, you know, 8, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I finally get to the computer and try to stay awake enough to go do work. And then I do like YouTube tutorials. I reach out to emails and then crash. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Uh, what is, uh, you, you mentioned your email earlier, but what is the best place online that we can connect with you and learn more about your projects and what you got going on? Um, just go, you know, I mean, my, my photography, joshrossi.co. I would say if you want to uh, learn more, and, you know, my recent project is mentorcamp.io. That's the mentorship thing, but I also have contact info on there. Mentorcamp.io, joshrossi.co, C-O, right? Not no yeah. M on the end of that one. You can, yeah, um, there's both, but yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll link up to both down in the show notes and make it easy and then throw your Instagram and your YouTube stuff on there as well because it's, I think you got some great content, man. So keep it up. I really appreciate you taking some time with us today. And uh, thanks for being here. Cool. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. I loved it. And that's a wrap for today. If you guys want to connect with Josh, I've got all of this stuff linked up down in the show notes. You can learn about all the different projects he's a part of, um, as well as follow him on social because he's got some really cool stuff that he's always uh, putting out there and promoting. Obviously, he talked about some of it today, um, but there's much, much more. 
And if you want to connect with me, I'm down in the show notes as well on Instagram at Chief Sna, and uh, happy to connect there. But you can also hit me up on my website, hansstrazina.com, if you want to get in touch very personally. Um, would love to do that and love to connect with you. And of course, if you're getting value out of this podcast and this episode in particular, leave it a rating and review on whatever podcast player you're on because it helps me grow the show, helps to get in front of a few more people and uh, just gives the algorithm some love. So uh, thank you in advance for that. And thank you to those of you who've done it already. It means an awful lot. So without any further ado, let's get out of here for today. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.